When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the fact it purposely kind of places all these different men in her story, but the movie doesn't need to tell us anything about these men other than they are really creepy and this is the experience of girls and women all over the world. It's really kind of intimate and non-judgmental. It's quite a remarkable piece of filmmaking. And also the, the young actress who plays her was just outstanding. You can either notice it or you can ignore it because that is so true to real life, which I think this film excels at is mirroring reality. Welcome everyone to the Flix Watcher podcast. I'm Kobe and today I'm joined by Em. Hi. Claire. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about never, rarely, sometimes, always. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter. At FlixWatcherPod. And on Instagram, at FlixWatcher. Hello, everybody. Welcome to FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Claire and Em. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Sure. Hi, my name is Em. I am from the podcast Verbal Diorama. It is the podcast all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Uh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I am a podcaster and a writer and I do all sorts of crazy, crazy things. <laughs> crazy, crazy things. You do the film stories. Um, we, we put the spotlight on a lot of film podcasters, which I'm sure is very yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, that's obviously not the main thing that I do. Uh, I think it's no. the main thing that a lot of people know me for. But it's kind of. I kind of look at it like that's kind of ten percent of what I do, and the other ninety percent is verbal diorama and all of the work <laughs> that comes with uh, a podcast that's incredibly research heavy and uh, and is solo hosted just by me. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 tough to do a monologue podcast. I've never done one, but I think I just the 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 effort and the energy as well you yeah, bring to it. Absolutely. It's uh it it's an interesting experience to uh, be constantly talking to yourself all the time, uh, which is why I love <laughs> coming onto other podcasts because I actually get to talk to other human beings for a and change. Also not, also, not do the editing. 
Oh, yeah, that, that. Oh, my God. Yeah, please don't tell me I have to do that as well. <laughs> We've got another voice here. It's Claire. Claire, hello. Hi, hello. Um, so I'm Claire. I'm a co-host of the podcast W Rated, where we watch the worst rated movies um, based off the IMDb Bottom 100. Um, and I used to also write for film stories, but I'm currently on a bit of a gap year from film writing. Um mm-hmm because I've temporarily moved to Dublin for a year. So focusing on the podcast, but little temp on the writing. <laughs> don't they have films in Dublin? I don't know what's going on here. They do, but I don't know anyone in the film circuit critic world, so I don't ah. know where they watch these films. <laughs> I'm just Cinemas. Cinemas, yeah. <laughs> I have, I've have. i been to three cinemas in Ireland now in the three months I've lived here, so I am getting better. By the time the year's up, maybe I'll have written a review. I'm sure the most part of that is because we are in uh, yeah lockdown still-ish. So. Yeah, we had a curfew up until mid-February, so, uh, mid-January, so everything had to shut by 8pm, which did make watching films incredibly difficult. Well, tell us about, so W-rated, um, we had someone on here recently for our Cats episode who's going through each of the Adam Sandler films mm-hmm. from their Happy Madison. Um, most of, I'm sure some of those appear in the W-rated. They do. Uh, yeah. And uh, the question is, why are you doing this? to yourself um well my uh, lovely co-host daisy and i just got talking one day on twitter about film challenges we were both doing and she had decided she was going to watch all 100 films on the bottom 100 list i kind of half joking said i hope you're gonna capture it somewhere podcast blog whatever and um, and she said she'd love to do a podcast but didn't know how i'd always wanted to do a podcast but i'm not as brave as M and didn't want to do it on my own and so a beautiful partnership was formed and now we are slowly torturing ourselves but it's a nice thing because our aim with every film is to look at what was good about the film we're not there to laugh at the film and kind of go in go dig worse dirt up we're sure. there to think is there some genuine merit to this? Does it deserve to be on the list? What are the good things? What maybe went wrong? Um, and I'd say at the moment we're about 50-50 on films that we liked and films that we didn't. Okay. Well, you brought Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always to this pod booth. Uh, can you tell us first of all why you chose it? Uh, and then I'm going to get the timer up and you've got 60 seconds or less to tell us the synopsis. Okay. Um, So I chose this film because I think it is one of the best films um, that came out in 2020 and in recent years, one of the best. Um, And I think it kind of came and went very quickly. It didn't really get the recognition that I think a film of this nature deserves and it didn't stay in the conversation as long as it should have for what I think is quite a thought-provoking film. Um, And it's always nice to bring films from female filmmakers about female issues to light a little bit more because they don't get the attention that some of the big smashier actiony movies maybe get in the world <laughs> fair play and your timer starts now yep so never really sometimes always follows teenager autumn who has to travel across america to new york city in order to obtain a legal termination of an unwanted pregnancy she's joined on the trip by her cousin skylar and um, and due to some misinformation it ends up being a more a longer trip than either maybe had imagined and we get a kind of shocking insight into the workings of female healthcare. Well done. I should say in the States as well. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> in different in different countries it might be different or different states mm-hmm. in the States it might be different. Um, Helen, you were quite excited when this choice, I mean, initially we were going to go for Rocketman but then that dropped off Netflix and that's what happens. <laughs> quite but a different film. 
but in the new kite like yes in a way <laughs> um never really sometimes always helen yeah so um this had been on my watch list for quite a while well since 2020 and uh, someone very helpfully on twitter put a psa saying it's on netflix and uh i think i actually watched it that afternoon that's how keen <laughs> i was to watch it and um yeah it's just it's just an excellent drama the kind of sickliness of men permeates like everywhere and the central performance is just incredible it's like the last taboo, I think, for film, especially in America, is subjective abortions. And it's really kind of intimate and non-judgmental. We're almost kind of like looking in and it's done in such a really delicate way that it never feels like it's got an agenda or anything. It's just this is kind of the way it is and mm. this is how she's kind of navigating. And she kind of comes up to all these challenges along the way as if... The, the sort of the, the main part of the challenge wasn't harsh enough. She keeps kind of getting these little knockbacks here and then and just her resilience is just really inspiring for what is she, what, 16, 17? 17, 17, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a film that definitely deserves more people to kind of see it and and watch it because it's quite a remarkable piece of filmmaking. Had you seen it before, Em? I hadn't seen it before. I'd heard of it, but... I'm, I guess I'm one of those people who prefers the big, noisy action movies. Um, and um, and I am the sort of person, I, I don't tend to stay away from dramas, but I tend to stay away from stuff that's going to emotionally affect me. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't even know this was on Netflix. So uh, the fact it was on there and obviously when it came up that, that that's what Claire's choice was, I kind of thought to myself, well, this is actually kind of the ideal opportunity for me to actually sit and watch something like this because I probably wouldn't maybe have watched this. Mm. Not that I didn't know about it and not that I'm, you know, against the subject matter or anything like that. It's just not normally the sort of thing that I would personally watch. So I kind of took this as an opportunity to actually maybe watch something important for a change. Did it, did it rise to that important statue that you've that you oh, held in your head? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I knew what the subject matter was. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, in my head, I kind of thought it would be upsetting and, you know, slightly disconcerting and, and all of that sort of stuff. I kind of wasn't prepared for how it made me feel in a sense of how uncomfortable I felt thinking, kind of looking back to my own sort of teen years and the way that men treat young girls. And Mm. it was almost like a a kind of look back to the past Mm. in a way, Um, which is obviously, you know, any woman can tell you experiences that they've had in the past. You know, you remember things and it's, you know, you you remember that feeling of uncomfortableness when a, a man looks at you in a certain way or touches you in a certain way. And and then you kind of think, well, that that's still happening to, to, to girls of this age. And and then, yeah, on all, on all of the, the other issues as well with the Planned Parenthood thing in America. And, um, well, as, you, as, you, as you talked about the, the creepiness aspect, I think that's one thing that I can imagine a lot of internet, the gammon on the internet being angry. <laughs> We're not, men aren't like this. And I just think there's, there's a few instances. I, this is the second time I watched it, and I, I maybe I think I missed a few of the a, f- a few of the instances the first time, 
but um or just didn't remember forgot them but there's like the in the in the supermarket where Skyler just says oh it looks like you're having a party mm-hmm. and then the guy there's creepily at least three times her age is like well why don't you come afterwards we can wait for you yeah. and then there's the a co-worker kissing both their hands as they're handing over the cash and then there's the guy that meets on the bus jasper mm-hmm. who's like ostensibly friendly but also he's definitely got an ulterior motive and he wants something out of his friendliness yeah exactly even the father uh, figure is the father, it was the father creepy. or stepfather i wasn't sure it's, it's intentionally ambiguous ambiguous yeah yeah and, but- and then and then the first thing was when she's playing, Autumn's playing guitar in the in the school resort, and people like shouting at her, um, rude words at her. Um, so you get the impression that she, you know, she she throws she throws water over one of them. So it's it's sprinkled in there all the way through the the experiences that she's having. And like I say, um, it's good to hear you say it's not unique to to this film. It's not it's not shining a light here, um, but the experiences that that she's having then. As a foundation, then on top of that, she's having to go through these experiences to try and get this termination sorted in a safe manner. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's kind of horrible. I think that's one of the brilliances of the film, though, that obviously, and it was my second watch too, you do notice those kind of creepy men more on the second time because you know where the story's going. But what I love is that that is in no way the focus of the film. There is at no point in the film the focus on who is the father, what has she been through in that kind of emotional turmoil, how did she end up pregnant. It doesn't really go into detail on those experiences that are happening to these young women. And I think it's both brilliant because it means that just Autumn's story is the main focus the whole way through. This is about Autumn autumn story and i also think it points to the realism that em was kind of talking about where unfortunately for most young women they're not unusual experiences so they're not something that we would expect a whole film to be dedicated to because unfortunately they are things that just happen every day in every town in the world to young women so i love that it is just sprinkled in there and that it you can either notice it or you can ignore it because that is so true to real life which i think this film excels at is mirroring reality. They're like the the minor moments in a much bigger story, and it's it's sort of not real time, but it's it's not set on such a short period of time, and that's not unreasonable for that amount of meant to be that creepy. Let's just call them the creepy May, and it's just that short period of time as well. Um, and the abortion, the abortion termination storyline, we've. Um... We have we've had dirt dancing. That was that was a key plot point in dirt dancing, um, which is something I didn't really realise. Obviously, the first couple of times when I watched it as a, as a youngster, and then Juno um, is a film that ostensibly starts on that that line. But I think this is obviously this is shining a light on the situation in the states, and it'd be a different story if she was in Brooklyn straight away, and there would have been a different situation. It's kind of going to show that even in Pennsylvania, which is a fairly liberal state. It's a it's a traumatic well it's an unfair experience if you have if you want to go through the process and the Planned Parent was it Planned Parenthood had the first people or was it the, the second no they, they the were the pro life so you had the yeah. the first clinic was like a pro life clinic yeah 
Um, but and masquerading then, as a women's health clinic, kind of yeah. not making it clear and what their what their agenda, quote unquote, was. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's kind of a new wave of films that I've noticed myself in the last few years. You had this film, then there was a, a film that for some reason never came out in the UK called Unpregnant, which is an abortion road trip comedy, and um, which is a very similar vein: a girl trying to get across America to mm. a state where she can legally obtain an abortion. Um, and then there is the film that won the Golden lion at venice um love on the happening which is set in 60s in france um but i think it i think all these films in this kind of new genre almost a very tiny genre of abortion films i think when you look at what is happening in we i think we can have that kind of privileged thing of well women have their own rights and women's healthcare is really easily accessible but if you're from a, what you mean in the uk if you're from a country or a state yeah. where it is accessible you can have that really privileged idea and i think yeah. we forget that even in 2022 that isn't the same for everyone even in really privileged countries like america mm. that might not be the case so i think you know art is trying to remind us yeah, it, it actually really opened up my eyes uh, a lot to the situation, uh, obviously, especially in America, um, because I had no idea that it was state dependent. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I obviously don't live over there. So I, I, <laughs> I know that there's obviously um, there's been legal issues with like Planned Parenthood and stuff like that. And I know there's been a lot of celebrity um, endorsement of like Planned Parenthood and and. You know, obviously, from my point of view, um, I've, I've always been pro-choice, just just generally. But I had no idea that it was state dependent. And so when she's in Pennsylvania and I think, oh, well, you know, Pennsylvania is where Philadelphia is. You know, you think that in a state like that, you would have at least some access to women's health and women's reproductive services. And, and the fact that these two young girls you know they're minors and they get mm. on a bus and they have to go to new york for autumn's treatment um i mean i just wanted to kind of reiterate on what what claire said i i felt that like the movie really showed a lot of empathy towards autumn and her situation but i also liked that the movie didn't focus on anything other than her story yeah. because i think a movie like this could easily have had her monologue about, oh, I met this boy in so-and-so place and this is what happened. And the the fact it purposely kind of places all these different men in her mm. story that could be, but the movie actually doesn't need to tell us and it doesn't want to tell us anything about these men other than they are really creepy and this is the experience of so many girls and women and, you know, all over the world because it's it's not about them. And it's, it's never about them. It's about her and her choice and her life. And I, I just felt it was really compassionate towards her. Um, and also the, the young actress who plays her was just outstanding. I felt like I wasn't watching a movie. I felt like I was watching a documentary about her life. I just felt like she... Act and obviously I'm not a teenager. I don't know how teenagers act, but... The fact that she's quite monosyllabic, she doesn't really talk, she doesn't, you know, go into too much detail. I felt like, well, maybe that's how teenagers today actually do speak. That's um, one of the things I loved about the film, though, as well as the complete lack of dialogue. Obviously, yeah. there's dialogue in it, but it is such a dialogue-thin film, which I think really, again, is one of its strengths because it adds to that realism. I think the... Um... 
she's we should find out her name uh, someone find out her name um Skylar was also great in this mm-hmm. and the but the the, the denouement when she goes to a scene where she's asked by the Planned Parenthood um, advisor those questions where she's supposed to answer never rarely sometimes always and she you know she doesn't even answer sometimes but she kind of breaks down going back through the story um that that scene is just like it's the refusal to cut just yeah. just the one shot tight on her face utter refusal to cut like what a difficult performance what a, mm. a brave filmmaking choice and thank god it works because that scene obviously it's the titular scene anyway but yeah. that is the heart of the movie it would be a good movie without that scene but i feel like that scene elevates it to an extraordinary movie because it's so simple but it's raw it's empathetic it makes me cry it makes me feel so much for that young girl and it doesn't actually tell us anything because she refuses to tell us but we know exactly what she's not telling us it's yeah. like it's like feeding back into the it's not it's not telling the stories of the guys or the people mm-hmm. that made her answer sometimes or rarely it's that's not about it's not what it's about. And I think one of the best things about that scene is the the voice we hear, the um, the counsellor at Planned Parenthood is a real life social worker. They chose a real life social worker to ask those questions to make it as realistic as possible. And I do think you do hear her empathetic tone and it does sound, I think that's how it adds into that documentary feel that Em was talking about by bringing those elements in. At the top of the show, Helen, you said about the setbacks that she'd gone through. Can you talk a bit about those, you know, each... Each step of the way, there's like, oh, another thing, and another thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that she has to go to New York in the first place um, to have it done, and then they kind of keep running into things where she kind of gets there and they said, oh, well, they said you were this many weeks, but you're actually this many weeks, so we now, you know, it's going to take two days and it's going to cost this kind of more money, and it's just that it costs kind of money in the first place is, like, a big thing, like, I kind of love that they steal some money from the creepy shop guy to yeah. to pay for it. But <laughs> to kind of get more money, they have to, um, Skylar has to sell herself to um, the guy that she meets on the bus. And it's just, you're, you're watching, you're thinking, what would I do in that situation? You know, how would I be resourceful to kind of like find the cash? You know, would I be able to, lie and kind of convince my parents that I was staying at a friend's and it's just there's just so much responsibility and things you kind of have to think through and he just manages to make these decisions like there and then in a really kind of calm way that I don't know if I would have any of her like kind of calmness and just straight thinking when I was that young um is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the schools I was just going to add that by not saying... So there's a thing that kind of people tend to have when they talk about abortions and they kind of say, well, it's acceptable if like, it's because you were raped and people try and justify it. And by her not giving any information about why she's having it, it is deliberately saying that there doesn't need to be a reason and there doesn't need to be a kind of badness about it to justify it and I think that's really important because there's a lot of language around women about trying to sort of justify why things happen to them because of certain things and with this it's like there doesn't need to be a reason it's her choice and 
by not having that in there, it takes away that element. And I think that's really powerful in the way they tell the story because it could easily be she's going to get an abortion because she got drunk at a party and she ended up being raped. And then that would be like, oh, well, in that case, it's justified. But not having that is really powerful and, and a really strong decision, I think. Anything else, guys, before we head to the scores? No, I was I was actually going to say pretty much what Helen just said. <laughs> oh, perfect. She took the words right out of your mouth. Well, let's head to the scores. Hello, I'm Kate Lever, host of Who's a Good Dog, the podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog. We're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Claire, with your recommendability. Uh, yeah, I would give it five out of five for recommendability. I think it is just a wonderful, brave piece of cinema work. I think it's really easily accessible at the same time. I think it's incredibly non-judgmental um, and it's also nice and short. So it's not going to take up anyone's time. Um, and I think it's just very moving and a worthwhile thing to watch. Um. Uh, I gave it a recommendability score of four. And the only reason that I didn't give it more is because I... I personally got a little bit distressed watching certain scenes in this movie and yeah I I just always feel a little bit like if I if I get a little bit upset then I don't know how much I'd want to recommend that to someone else but I thought as a as a movie and as an experience I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Uh, Helen yeah, it's one that if you are recommending it, then I think you probably need to be quite clear with the story because there's, it's it's not a spoiler. Um, you know, she her, her journey in the arc is that you know that she's going um, to to New York for an abortion. So as long as I think you're clear about what that is, so that you you don't end up kind of recommending it to someone who's sort of been that through that and doesn't want to watch a film about it. I just think it's one of those dramas that through the kind of medium of filmmaking, you're able to tell these really powerful stories and in a way that isn't normally really addressed or when it's done, it's normally a man kind of doing it and the tone's all off and it's completely wrong. But this feels like a really strong female-led piece of cinema. And I think that it's on Netflix as well. Like I'll be recommending this to all of my kind of female friends and people who I know are genuinely interested in film. So I'm going to go with a five on this one. 4.5 or five, 4.8. Let's go 4.8. Yeah, there's definitely um, high recommendability. This is the second time watching it. And the first time I saw it was, I think it was on Sky, Stratton Now TV. And I'd heard I'd heard the story. I heard the film and I thought it sounded ace. And when it came to now, I was like, I need to watch it now. Um, and when it came to Netflix and you chose it, Claire was like... I wasn't wasn't like yeah I was not jumping for joy but it's like yeah I'm, I'm really up for watching that again <laughs> and I think I think there's a lot I recommend it more because I think there's a lot that a lot of people can get out of it and it's great to hear that um 
was initially reluctant, want to be able to turn to watch it, but then you got a lot out of it yourself. I think that just shows that other people will do. So repeat viewing score, Claire. Um, yeah, so repeat viewing score, I'll probably go four out of five. Um, and similar reasons to what Em said, that because there are some distressing scenes and it is a very heavy emotional film, that it is not the kind of film that you want to rewatch multiple times a year or that you're going to be reaching to watch again. But similar to yourself, Kobe, I watched it at the end of 2020 when it was on Now TV, was really excited to watch it. I've thought about it a lot since, but I've never gone to rewatch it. And so by doing this, I'm so pleased I did rewatch it because I saw, I, I got new things from the experience in a rewatch and it reminded me of how much of a powerful film it is. And so I think I will watch it again in another year or two because I think it also had, it really struck me about how much I want to go out and do and help people and be a you know social justice warrior. Um, and so I think it's important to kind of rewatch these films that hit you emotionally like that so that you remember those emotions um so obviously because i had never seen this before i wasn't unlike the rest of you i'm not in a situation where i'm watching it again for the second time now but given the choice um i probably would watch this again um i've given it a repeat viewing score of three only because it did kind of remind me of past experiences but I've kind of because I've been through that in a sense of well I've seen it now so now I know what's there um that there is there is a strong possibility that I will watch this again but it again it's it's one of those because the subject matter is often quite difficult to watch um you know especially where you've got scenes of her punching her own stomach and and I mm. found that especially sort of upsetting afterwards yeah um so so yeah I I I thought I'd kind of go down the middle, but more towards the repeat viewing positive and, and give it a three. Helen. Yeah, so I, I only watched this for the first time probably about two months ago. So it was still fresh in my memory and I didn't feel as though I needed to watch it again. And like you said, um, it's not an easy watch. It's not one of the ones you're kind of going, oh, just in the mood for this, going to put it on. Um, you definitely have to be in the right frame of mind. And it it was a very, moments of it really upsetting and really hard to watch. So I don't know, I don't know when the, I'll probably watch it again. So I'm going to go down the middle with a 2.5. Possibly if a bit of time kind of elapses, I might go back to it, but it's not an easy thing to watch. So I'm not going to be in a rush. Uh, I'm going to go for a three because um, I watched it twice within, I guess, the space of a year. Um, I'm not sure when I'll watch it again because I think, and it, I think it definitely justifies a second watch, um, but I'm not sure when that third watch will happen. Uh, small screen score, Claire. Um, so I've only ever seen it on the small screen, both viewings. Um, I don't know if it actually even got a UK cinema release because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, think, I'm not sure it did. No, I don't think it did either. I think it went straight to VOD in the UK. Um, but I'm I'm so high on this film. I'm giving it a five out of five because I think it was a great viewing experience at home. Um, I live on my own and I've watched it both times completely on my own and it made it that much more of an intimate experience because I felt like it was just me with the girls. Um, I don't know how it would translate to watching it with an audience. I don't know if I'd feel more comfortable or less comfortable. So small screen, I think it's great. We haven't actually talked uh, about Skylar and their relationship and how she there's a support support network with her and and her cousin who's not the ideal person to be supporting you don't want someone you ideally want to be able to turn to an, a more experienced adult 
or someone uh, but what, what do you guys make of Scan and their relationship i love their unspoken dialogue i think mm. it works really well that it's not a sister but it's also not just a random friend that there is a kind of you know um not unrequited love um unconditional love there with them being <laughs> family and um, and i love that I don't think Autumn ever even tells Skylar that she's pregnant. I think Skylar just catches on yeah. and immediately she takes charge and she's like, I'm going to help you. We're going to take this money. We're going to get this bus. I will be the support that you don't have because I know that your family can't support you through this. And even when they're fighting and they're telling each other at the bus station to fuck off because they're annoying each other, there is that you know, I'm here for you and you're here for me and they don't need to say anything that, you know, the handhold behind the pillar oh, and okay. just, Beautiful. yeah. And just the way that, you know, the, the difference between the way men touch them and the difference between the way they touch each other is so gentle and caring and kind of not motherly, but that loving vibe. And I think it's really, it's just really nice as always to see female friendships on screen that don't end badly. Um, small screen score. I hadn't actually thought about whether this is something that I would have watched uh, in the cinema because because it's such an emotional viewing uh, experience. Um, I, I kind of don't know how I'd feel if I watched this surrounded by people, like, like Claire just said. So I've given it a four um, because I feel like it's not it's not a big bombastic movie. It's a very quiet, reflective movie. And I feel like... Really, it is suited to more of a home environment where you can just sit and watch it and then reflect yeah. afterwards. Um, because this is a movie that sits with you as well. Like it's it's one of those that I don't think once you've seen it, you won't forget it for a long time, if ever. So, um, so yeah, I think it is. It, this is a movie that is more suited to a watch at home environment. So, what was the score? Sorry, I missed four. Four, Helen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a five as well. I think um, it, because it's so intimate, it works really well on the small screen. I probably would have tried to go and see this at the cinema because I do try and seek out smaller films if I can. But I think in terms of like the viewing experience, it's fine on the small screen. Um, yeah, I think I would, I would have like, like Helen I would have gone to try and see this at the cinema, but it would have been like a a Sunday where I made where I, where I went out for a, a double or a triple bill, and this probably wouldn't have been the the finale in the day. Um, but it would have been one I tried to catch up with. So, uh, but yeah, I think small screen works fantastic. So I'm going to go for a five. Engagement score, Claire. So still on the high side, but I'm going to go a four out of five. I think if it's going to lose you, it's going to lose you in that kind of opening 10 minutes or so. I think once you know that she's pregnant and once you see her first appointment at the Women's Health Clinic, I think that's the point when you get that far in you're in then I, I imagine it would be quite difficult to turn off after that point but this is also a film that on paper is a very me film so <laughs> I wouldn't turn it off <laughs> I was one thing I was just thinking now about the women's health clinic was when she took the first pregnancy test and you, you can tell she like she bunked off school to go to this place where she can get some help and some advice and she's like that's is that a test from the supermarket? Yeah, she could have just done that herself. She yeah, went exactly. there for medical help. She wanted a, a doctor and a nurse to take the take her under their wing, and she got a box kit. Probably paid like triple the amount for it as well. That was probably more <laughs> yeah. of a yeah. shock. Um, uh, engagement score. So I gave it a four as well, only because I feel like because it does have, like Claire said, a bit of a slow start. But then I think once you do get involved and invested in this movie. I feel like it's 
it would be very, very difficult to turn it off because you, you kind of want to know what happens mm. to this girl. You become invested in her and her story. And, and honestly, you kind of start to feel a bit protective of her and you want to know that she's okay. And, you know, throughout the whole movie, I was, especially when, the, you know, they're falling asleep at like tube stations and stuff like that because they've got nowhere to sleep. Mm. And this is over like a three-day period in, in New York City, like one of the biggest, busiest, biggest cities in the world, these two teenage girls, and they've got nowhere to go. And I was just like, literally like begging the screen, like, please, will someone help these girls? Like, just give them some money or buy them a hotel room or give them some food or something. Um, there was, she was, she was offered, um, Autumn and Skylar was offered help with a, um, a volunteer house. Yeah, that's right. And they, they turned it down or she turned it down on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I don't know. I, cause I, I felt like, cause I thought it's wiser than to turn down Jasper's help initially when they landed at, at, this, at, at New York. And to be honest, I, I was thinking myself, I, I've been to New York, landed there myself and two other guys. And we were both like, we we're all three of us like, uh sorry what <laughs> what do we do so i can imagine the similar kind of thing with like two young girls who are like i need to, i'm here for a specific purpose and it's um it's daunting for want of yeah. a lighter word it's, it's super daunting and i get why she turned like because as an adult i'm screaming at the screen take take the volunteer house that they will mm. look after you go like take the help but we've seen her be lied to by the previous women's health clinic we've been shown that her family life whether it's her father or her stepfather is not stable and not supportive and pretty much any adult in her life is a negative interaction with her so you completely understand why she wouldn't trust mm -hmm. this adult randomly offering her help because society has told her it's not going to end well um so what was your engagement score i'm sorry uh, four. Helen. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a four. It's one of those films where there's not that much dialogue, and um, we've already spoke about it. It's very, it's more kind of, it's very much that kind of reflective piece. So you're almost kind of reflecting as you, you go along, and yeah, it's just, it's quite a strange experience to be going on this journey with her. So um, yeah, it's a four. Like it's you'll know when you watch it whether it's going to be for you. So it's one that you're obviously going to stick with, but also mm. it, there's, you know, there's not that much happening, if that makes sense. The um, the actor's name is Sydney Flanagan, who plays Autumn, by the way. She's not been in any of the, any of the films I can I can see at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm going with 3.5, because I think the second time, well, I know the second time I watched it, I wasn't as like glued to it as, as you could think, because you can, it's kind of sparse, as everyone said. So I could kind of dream in and float in and out on Twitter and, and Instagram at the same time and wait for the kind of more more salient bits to occur. Um, that gives us an overall score of 4.11250. Nice. Pretty good. Absolutely. Um, so guys, do follow us on Twitter, everyone who's listening, because we do put a tweet out before we go into recording and ask for your opinions and look out for a tweet like this. We're reviewing Never Really, Sometimes Always with Claire Ellen Hope <laughs> and Emerald Dalt from W Rated and Verbal Diorama. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and a score out of five stars from On Air Shout Out. I wasn't expecting anything uh, from this because it's a small film, but we did get a response. Um, Claire, do you have it up? So this is from the first run, um, and they said five great, devastating film, which completely agree. Yeah. Guys, uh, 
M. Claire, can you sign off by telling everyone where we can find you online and we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Claire Ellen Hope, Claire without an I, and you can find W Rated there at W Rated Pod. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Verbal Diorama. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. enjoyed this episode of flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flix pod on twitter and we're at flix on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what she sent you you just heard a stripped media production <laughs>